G'day folks, welcome back to another episode of the Ubuntu Security Podcast. I'm Alex Murray. This week, I wanted to have a look at this recent report from Elastic Security Labs. It's a global threat report, and it goes to a bu- into a bunch of details around all the different threats that they've been uh, seeing and they've been tracking and the different trends that are there. Uh, some good details on some different Linux-related stuff there, which we don't often see. Often, a lot of these reports are you know, quite Windows-specific or otherwise. But yeah, so we will dig into that. But first, I do want to have a quick roundup of the security fixes that have gone into supported Ubuntu releases over the past week. So this week, uh, the team addressed 81 unique CVEs and uh, we had updates for packages like Expat, uh, MariaDB, uh, the X server even, uh, what else? ImageMagic, XM, JBKit, LibTIFF, LibIce, uh, Shadow. Now, unfortunately, Shadow, uh, the update here uh, was for actually quite an old vulnerability. It stated uh, CVE 2013, uh, but patches for this only came out earlier this year. So it's vulnerability that's existed in Shadow for a while. Uh, upstream, when they added uh, the fix for this, they essentially ended up relying on some new functionality in glibc. Uh, we released the update uh, without realizing that, unfortunately, and so that meant that uh, this was ended up being uh, broken on some older releases that didn't have that functionality in glibc. Uh, as a result, we had to release uh, a f- update that uh, essentially backed out those changes for uh, releases like uh, 2004, uh, long-term support, and previous. So they now, unfortunately, do not have that CVE fix for them, but uh, I think we're looking at a way of still trying to do that potentially uh, but it is still fixed in uh, 2204 long-term support and newer so 2210 as well yep that single shadow cve fixed there uh, we had an update for Perl as well, uh, Halfbuzz, uh, Bind, Sysdat, uh, started doing some kernel updates. So the kernel team been cranking on these uh, the last day or so. Uh, been some infrastructure issues that have slowed down some of these, but certainly got one out here uh, for the kernel for uh, GCP in Ubuntu 18.04 long-term support. Uh, there was eight, uh, 12 different CVEs fixed here. Two of these high-priority vulnerabilities found by Yarnhorn at Google Project Zero. Uh, both of these we use after freeze, one in the handling of anonymous VMA mappings, the other uh, in the memory management subsystem handling of TLBs, translation look-aside buffers. In both cases, uh, a local attacker could possibly exploit these to crash the kernel or to possibly get code execution within the kernel and then hence escalate their privileges to root. Uh, but yeah, a bunch of other CVs were fixed as well for the kernel there. Uh, LibSample rate, what else? Uh, TLS and Pixman, and a bunch of these were also for our extended security maintenance releases. Actually, those last three, uh, all for at least 604 extended security maintenance plus uh, 1404 ESM for the last one. And uh, yeah, that is it for the weekend security updates. I decided that going into lots of detail on these week after week was a bit repetitive. So I thought uh, this week, let's just like highlight a few of them in particular. Uh, let me know your thoughts though, as always, uh, you know, contact details at the end of the episode. The other thing that I mentioned at the start of this episode that I want to do this week was a look at uh, this recent report from Elastic Security Labs. It's their global threat report. It essentially summarizes the findings across all of their different uh, products. Essentially, they have a heap of different products. Uh, all of these feed telemetry back to them. Uh, so it incorporates the various things they've seen through their end game, uh, endpoint, and their security solutions products. Uh, these run across uh, Linux, Mac, and Windows. So they see a huge uh, amount of different sorts of malware and uh, threats across the whole ecosystem. Uh, what they've seen is that 54% of the things essentially that they detected were on Windows. Uh, that leaves 39% on Linux and only 6% on macOS. I'm not sure if that uh, speaks to, I guess, how uh, complete and how thorough uh, their analysis is. You know, maybe they are really good at looking at malware uh, for Windows, and you know, there's a heap of I don't know macOS malware that they're missing. But either way, to see 39% of stuff targeting Linux 
uh, means there's a fair bit of uh, juicy details here that we can dig into. So looking at uh, the stuff that is targeting Linux, their top 10 uh, malware samples were uh, Metaterpreter, uh, Gafjit, uh, Mirai, Camelot, uh, Generic, uh, Doflu, uh, BPF Door, and actually we covered BPF Door previously earlier in the year. I've got a link to that in the show notes if you want to go and listen back to that. Uh, RansomX, uh, Nesta, and GetShell. You know, I guess you can go and Google these to find out more details. But in general, 80% of these are Trojan-based, uh, 11% are crypto miners, and 4% is ransomware. Uh, so the the Trojan-based things are commonly used to deploy uh, stages and uh, droppers, essentially other binaries that are part of a larger exploit campaign. Uh, the crypto miners, uh, mostly these are mining Monero, not really surprising there. And most of them are using the XM rig family of crypto miner for that. Uh, they also go into details, like I said, of uh, Windows and Mac OS. Interestingly, for Windows, they're talking about uh, how a lot of the stuff they see is uh, samples from Cobalt Strike, Metasploit, and Mimikatz. Uh, you've probably heard those names before. These are all different red team tools. Uh, particularly Metasploit is a pretty com- common one, particularly also in the uh, Linux ecosystem as well. Uh, Mimikatz, that's a Windows thing for getting uh, interlim hashes and things out of uh, logged in users. And Cobalt Strike is, uh, I guess, a big grab bag of different tools as well. Uh, so it's interesting to see uh, that. I don't know whether that means that lots of these things they're picking up are people doing red teaming against their own environment or perhaps attackers are using these red team tools to do exploits and things wouldn't surprise me also what they're seeing is a bunch of different key loggers as well as credential stealers uh, essentially that is going after your uh, credentials for your crypto wallets uh, they then went and mapped these things against the MITRE attack framework. Uh, of that, 34% they see essentially in the uh, when they detect them are trying to evade defensive measures. 22% are actually actively executing things. 10% are trying to access credentials. 8% are achieving persistence. Uh, 7% doing command and control. 6% privilege escalation and 4% doing initial access. And there's a long tail of other uh, behaviors that they're seeing as well. Uh, of this, uh, doing defense evasion, uh, that's the main ways that is done is uh, trying to masquerade as another legitimate process or uh, system binary proxy execution or essentially using existing uh, binaries on the machine to achieve their means and achieve their nefarious means, uh, otherwise called living off the land. And so, yeah, that accounts for 72% of the different uh, defense evasion techniques that they see. Uh, what that means, I guess, really is that having uh, systems probably like either uh, application whitelisting to make sure that you know only the right binary is executing or to have um, things that are monitoring what is normal behavior and therefore uh, stopping abnormal behavior of binaries would probably be useful. Uh, they then go and dive into more detail on the various execution techniques. Now, these are looking at Windows systems, so it's not uh, perhaps as instructive for Linux, but I did find it interesting that uh, most of those are either uh, native command and scripting interpreters, so that's things like PowerShell and uh, Windows Script Host on Windows, as well as abusing uh, WMI, the Windows Management Instrumentation, as well uh, to execute commands. But look, let's not go into too much detail here. This is the Ubuntu Security Podcast, not the Windows Security Podcast. Uh, they also go into metrics for the various public clouds. And I thought this was really interesting. So they look at both AWS, uh, Google, and Azure. Uh, AWS, they had 57% of all of their detections in AWS. So that's you know, a real majority. And 22% each for uh, Google and Azure. 
And I thought it was interesting to think why does AWS have uh, you know such a larger share? Uh, they do cite that AWS has one third of the global uh, cloud market share. And you know if we go looking further, we can see that Azure generally has about twenty percent, and Google has only about ten percent. So they do have a lot more of the you know the market share of people using the public clouds than the other two platforms. But you know those numbers don't really reflect the other part that we saw. Like I said, so Google they're only having ten percent, and uh, Azure having twenty percent. Yet they both had the same number of detections. Perhaps it's more that uh, customers of Elastic, you know, most of them are running in AWS. Maybe they have better integration with AWS. I'm not sure. So that's uh, an interesting thing. Or maybe you know, AWS is somehow more insecure. Perhaps I don't know. I mean, AWS is a pretty complicated environment, but most of the public clouds are nowadays as well. You know, they are can be potentially hard to get uh, your security settings right there and protect yourself. Uh, moving on though, they said that within the clouds, uh, most of the activities that they're seeing are things like uh, credential access, uh, persistence, uh, defense evasion, and initial access. Uh, 58% of those initial access attempts are trying to use a combination of brute force passwords or password spraying from existing password dumps. Uh, they then go and break down the, each cloud to look at uh, the activities that are performed in each, uh, in particular for AWS, uh, trying to steal access tokens is the top thing that they see there. Uh, Azure though shows a large number of uh, detections of valid account access so that's using existing valid accounts and then trying to attempt to retrieve either access tokens or perform phishing. And whilst for Google, they said that uh, service account abuse was the top thing that they saw there. And it's kind of interesting to think about that within, uh, I guess, the context of each cloud. You know, for AWS, if you're trying to get access tokens, that's probably just trying to get access to the rest of your AWS infrastructure. Uh, whilst for Azure, you know, probably a lot of people are using that for Active Directory. You know, they've migrated their local on-prem stuff into the cloud. Uh, you know, and therefore using us like Active Directory or different managed services within that. So trying to do things like uh, use of a valid account you know, perhaps they've already fished someone or you know trying to move on from that and uh, for Google I guess it's probably just like lots of different service worker accounts and the like uh, that are being used there in general which you know isn't really surprising uh, so then finally uh, they do actually then do a bit of a, a dive into four different uh, what they call threat samples but it's either a mixture of uh, actual malware or um, threat actors there um, they do dive into I guess the behavior of these as well and the kind of uh, things that they're doing but finally, it then goes on to their forecasts and recommendations based on the whole report. Uh, most of those are Windows specific, but one of them is uh, does predict that Linux VMs as used for backend DevOps in cloud environments will become an increased target. Now, that's not really surprising. I guess we do see uh, more adoption of Linux, uh, particularly obviously in the DevOps space. That's really what uh, Linux shines for. Um, so yeah, it's not really surprising or novel. Um, and most uh, open source security people listening to this probably wouldn't be surprised of that, you know, given the nature of a lot of uh, CRCD pipelines that people are setting up for their open source projects. You know, they're probably expecting this kind of threat and I guess I'm hoping that a lot of people are anticipating it and are setting up appropriate countermeasures and the like. Um, you know, and it's also not surprising, I suppose, too, from the open source point of view because open source is becoming the backbone of a lot of things nowadays. And so it, uh, this threat to supply chain security or inte uh, code integrity is, I guess, becoming a lot larger. So as a target, you know, if you can uh, compromise someone's build server and inject code or, you know, inject uh, or modify the you know produced binaries or whatever it is you know to insert your backdoors or the rest of it it's not surprising that that is becoming more of a target so yes yeah, something certainly certainly something to look out for uh, in protecting your own infrastructure 
As always, I guess what this really comes down to though is having a good security posture and uh, practicing good security hygiene. Uh, things like obviously configuring your services for least privilege, uh, auditing various things that you have, knowing what you've got, where it's deployed, uh, what's running, you know, what configurations they're running in, that kind of thing. Uh, making sure that uh, you're deploying things with defense in depth, you know, employing multiple different uh, security hardening techniques or solutions. Uh, even things like obviously making sure you've got monitoring and logging enabled so that if and when something does go wrong, you can potentially detect that and you've got enough uh, logs to be able to do your forensics afterwards you know do a good instant response to that uh, to make sure that you can actually know exactly what's happened you know too many times we see different reports of um, you know different environments getting breached you know we see a report that uh, some co some company says that they were breached but that you know as far as they can see uh, nothing was taken or you know no customers were harmed but ultimately that might just mean that they didn't have logs turned on so they have no idea what happened so you want to make sure that you do so that you can have some idea of the impact uh, that potential things are having and finally it's all the little things as well like i said security hygiene that's things like making sure that you deploy multi-factor authentication uh, you're installing your security updates you're training your users on appropriate uh, security behavior and that kind of thing as well this report i guess does give a good summary of some different things that elastic have seen and the different types of things that they can actually detect as well like a lot of these things it's obviously a good marketing exercise but yeah it's interesting to see uh, particularly the focus on linux there as well a good indication that uh, the market share of linux is increasing and probably then that uh, linux is going to become more of a target going forward so make sure that you are uh, configuring and deploying your systems appropriately all right so that is it for uh, this week's Ubuntu Security Podcast. As always, thanks everyone for listening again for another week. If you want to get in contact with us about anything you've heard here or otherwise, you can email the team, securityubuntu.com. We're also on the Ubuntu Security channel on the Barrel.chat, the awesome IRC network. Uh, we are on uh, Twitter too, at Ubuntu underscore sec. And we're also on Mastodon, uh, at Ubuntu Security, at Fostodon.org as well. Okay, so I'll be back again with you all next week. But until then, remember, keep calm because we've got your back and I'll speak to you soon. Bye.